Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is a podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari. Hello. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, this episode, we're talking about Michael's, the second part of this episode. Um, we are talking about the financials, management, and valuation. So uh, if you haven't listened to part one, please do. We, do. we did talk about a lot of good stuff there. Um, competitive advantage, why people go to Michael's, things like that. So please tune in. Uh, but before we begin, uh, let's let's start with a disclaimer. Yeah, this is the Value Investor TV podcast. We're a podcast that helps you understand the concepts behind value investing. Um, we are not uh, financial advisors, nor do we know your specific financial situation. So please consult with the appropriate uh, advisor before making any investment decisions. Excellent. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, so let me just quickly summarize what we talked about in the last episode. Um, so Michael's, it's a it's a retail specialty retail store in in the U.S. has uh, stores all across the country. Um, the main brand, main, the main competitive advantage here is the brand. Uh, people love Michael's. They carry really interesting specialty goods and services goods uh, for uh, for making uh, like art pieces and things like that. Um, and uh, no red flags in terms of customer relationships, uh, suppliers, employees, things like that. And this is not really a growth play. This is more of a value play in a traditional sense. And we'll talk more about the financials in this episode. So let's go right to the heart of the matter. Does the company have enough cash to maintain its business? Oh, sorry. By the way, we are going through a checklist. And if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, when we cover a company, we go through a checklist and we compiled it. If you don't have access to it already, you can email us at, email us at info at valueinvestor.org. We'd be happy to share a copy over uh, to you as well. So uh, that's what we're going through uh, right now. So. Uh, here, here the question. Here's the question again: Does the company have enough cash to maintain its business? So, Hari, I'll leave that to you. Yeah, and I, I think this will. I'll answer this because I think um, it's gonna. The next question will probably bleed into this too. So, um, you know, Michael's um, generated a um, a huge change in their free cash flow. So traditionally, it's been the last four or five years has been around four four hundred million dollars, um, but they've had close to $2.4 million billion, uh, in debt um, that this company was bought by Bain Capital in 2004. Uh, and then Bain actually sold, uh, IPO'd Michaels in 2014 or so. Um, and the amount of debt, so Bain Capital is the same uh, people who screwed up Toys R Us. Um, they bought and paid for Michaels with that debt so that debt mm. from 2004 is still on their books 17 years later. They just keep refinancing that over and over again. Um, so in the last year, Michaels has always operated with two or 300 million in cash, um, but you'll see that they have negative equity because their debt load is so high and then they have these uh, lease obligations for all their stores. You know, so you're talking about you know almost $4 billion in liabilities that they have to deal with. On top of that, you know, their asset base is much smaller. So, <clears throat> you know, this is a company with negative equity. 
um, which makes a lot of these calculations that we're going to talk about uh, difficult. Um, mm -hmm. But the good news is that uh, Michael's in the court, third quarter of last year refinanced all their debt uh, out to mm -hmm. 2027. So they're paying a hundred million dollars or so in interest payments every year, um, which is more than covered for by their net income or, or, or by their revenue. Um, but the biggest risk to the company here is the, uh, you know, is that that debt, um, you know, if they if they don't um, generate enough revenue. Uh, or operating income, they will end up, um, you know, that debt will get called in essentially. Um, mm -hmm. So, so you know, yes, they have enough cash um, because they 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 are a pretty cash flow efficient business um, uh, for right now. So, how much how much debt are we talking here? So, two point four billion um, for a company that has a market cap of two point two billion right now. So okay. that's the negative equity. Yeah. So the negative equity here is, um, you know, a smaller asset base. Um, but the good news is that their cash flow, as we'll talk about here, I think the next question or the next second question after that is um, in the third quarter, they generated, um, they got to $633 million in free cash flow um, in just the first, second, and third quarter. So the fourth quarter, they haven't. Um, at the time of this recording have not published it. So March 4th is when that's going to actually come out. Um, mm. And the fourth quarter is when they make most of their money. So in the last mm. five years or so, their entire free cash flow came in the fourth quarter. Um, wow. <clears throat> so at 630 million, and by the way, in the first quarter was when the pandemic hit, um, mm. they shut almost all of their stores uh, and took a huge loss in the first quarter. So huge free cash flow hit. Second quarter wasn't even great. So the third quarter being at what it was, um, it was a huge turnaround. Um, mm. And and so the fourth quarter should be even better, and uh, you know, mm. in terms of cash flow. So I'm just trying to think about I'm just trying to think about the amount of free cash flow that could generate that could be generated within a year. So you're talking maybe like 700, 800 million. Yeah. So and then. And we have a debt load of 2.4 billion, right? And we, you know, we obviously want that ratio to be low. Yeah. The ratio being the free cash flow to debt. It's not completely unreasonable, from that standpoint. No, so I, I think it's reasonable to say there's there's two things about the cash flow statement that are really important and that we have to talk about. Traditionally, you know, we want to see the debt to free cash flow number to be around three or less, right? because that means that they can pay off their debt in three years. We know that their debt is six years away, right? So do they need to pay off all of it today? No, they don't need to pay off of all of it in three years. So if, even if they paid it off in six years, we're talking about 400 million a year in free cash flow that they would have to dedicate to it. So mm -hmm. prior to this year, when they started turning things around, that's about how much free cash flow they were generating. So they mm -hmm. could theoretically pay it off with minimal risk to the business, right? But there's some other benefits too that paying off their debt lowers the interest expense. And by lowering the interest expense, they actually generate more free cash flow, right? Makes sense. So in a lot of ways, the risk here is is mitigated by them pushing out this money. Now, if they pay off even a quarter or half of it, and they they continue to have robust free cash flow, 
they could even push the debt out further from 2027, right? So assuming interest rates stay low, they can keep pushing it out and they may actually get more favorable terms if they do that. So there is a caveat to this though. So what Michaels did was their revenue, same store sales, which is a comparison of sales in third quarter of 2020 to the quarter, third quarter of 2019, were up 15%, which in a store that's you know basically not growing, that's a huge number, right? That means mm-hmm. their tickets, sales, everything was going up. The average ticket was up by you know 15%. And part of that was that they were they didn't have as much promotional discounting things like that. So there was a lot of uh, driver to the store because of you know pandemic was pushing people there and things like that. So I don't know if the third quarter is going to be hard this year to match, right? Maybe it's you know it won't go down. So I can't reliably predict the future free cash flow. But what I can say is that let's call it conservatively that they'll get a bump of like five or six hundred million from four hundred million. That is more than enough to cover their debt and to pay, you know, do some buybacks, right? And that ratio can be adjusted here and there. So the other caveat that I, I will say is they're they adjusted their payments term. So if you remember back to our Uh, discussion about balance sheet accounts payable is an item that appears on the balance sheet statement as a liability so this is money that they have to pay out to some vendor to their suppliers etc that number went up to 800 million dollars on the balance sheet okay so there's a um there's a very large accounts payable that is due in Q1 of 2021, right? So Mm. we're already in Q1 of 2021. We haven't seen Q4 yet. Um, So what they've done is they've normalized the payment term. So a lot of that is occurring in Q1. So it's shifting it. Now their free cash flow was up anyway, right? Because they got a $400 million bump in that accounts payable department because they're they're postponing the payment until Q1. So they still have money that needs to go out, right? From the free cash flow right? $400 million or so. But Mm -hmm. regardless, I feel comfortable with where, you know, they're at, right? I I think there's a, there's a good amount of free cash flow that we can sustain with this business um, Mm -hmm. that we should feel comfortable with, uh, with them. So this is a, this is really a kind of a two character in the story. One is the debt part of the story. And then the other is the free cash part of the story. Yep. And all you're trying to do is to figure out if the if the free cash part of the story can be enough to sustain the debt requirement on this company at this point. Correct. And it feels like you have confidence in the fact that they can generate enough free cash flow to cover the debt uh, debt um, the, the the debt that they have accumulated in addition to all the additional account payables and things like that. Yes. Exactly. Makes makes sense. Makes sense. So that, that sort of covers a lot of the questions here. So we covered enough cash to maintain its business. Does a company have a reasonable debt level? We cover that. And then lastly, we did cover the last question here. Can the company generate a strong amount of free cash flow from operation? We talked we talk, we talk about that as well. So 
why don't we shift gears here and talk about the management, the the um, their role in handling excess capital, mm-hmm. and you know before we talk before we start the podcast we we began to talk about the buyback strategy and things like that. And you know if you guys haven't heard our previous episode on share cannibals, you know it's one of the surest ways to ensure that your your share price of, uh, inflates. Um, and, and you know, beats S and P five hundred index and all those things. Yep. It, it's it's one of the surest ways that you can guarantee yourself a good return if you find a company that is dedicated to uh, executing buyback at the right time. So, yep. Anyway, that's a separate topic. But let's mm-hmm. talk about this company, Michaels, in particular. Um, the how does the management handle excess capital? And what's their buyback strategy? Yeah. So they've talked about three. They had an investor day in. Uh, around Q3 of 2020. And what they they mentioned is that they have three pillars. One of those is to reduce the debt load, which we all agree with. Two is they need to um, put them back on the pace of growth is what they say. So I, I think a lot of that is, you know, trying to just keep up with inflation. You know, it can't be flat or declining. And then they actually have to get their customers back into the store. I think that's very important because that's what sustains the free cash flow going forward, right? And then the last piece of it is share, returning share money to shareholders. So uh, in the form of share repurchases. So at the current uh, time, they are not able to pay dividends, which is good for us if you're an investor because they can't, um, because of their debt covenants, they are not able to pay out that as, as cash, but they are able to do share buybacks. Now, the interesting thing is that part of their debt is actually uh, convertible equity. So I think that's why the share buybacks are on the table. Um, mm. And so what I would love to see is is Michaels actually go in and uh, take that debt and reduce it, but also, you know, not do, uh, you know, all of it. I would actually prefer that they spend a lot of that money on share repurchases. Um, but there's a risk too here that they may get enamored with this idea that they can make a marketplace and spend too much money on it. And then we're not seeing the repurchases that we want. Right. Mm. So that, that's kind of the execution risk that we have to be aware of. Right. And all value invest. I mean, if it was completely obvious and already settled, then the price would be much higher than it is today. Right. So that's, that's the kind of, you have to kind of hold your nose and say, you know, Michael's is kind of a, it's a, you know, it's a stagnant business. It's not a growing business. So what's the value here is they generate a ton of free cash flow. This is a billion, $2.2 billion market cap company. We think that they can have a sustainable free cash flow of around five to $600 million a year. You know, so that's trading at like four times free cash flow, right? And it's trading at roughly, you know, eight times enterprise value, right? If you don't consider the uh, yeah. operating lease, because the operating lease, I don't think is, it's part of the operations. It's paid out of operating expenses. So, mm. um, or actually gross uh, profit expenses, gross uh, or cost of goods sold in this case. So anyway, my point in, in saying all of this is, I think Michaels has a lot of things that can protect um, that free cash flow. Management has paid lip service to the repurchases in the past, but they have to continue to do it, right, in order for it to actually 
mean something, right? And I, and as I said, in four years, if they just dedicated all their free cash flow, they could actually buy out the entire company, right? Buy back 100% of the shares if they wanted to. Um, so we'll have to see if they actually, you know, what their commitment is. Um, and I think we'll know a lot more after the fourth quarter. Hmm. It's interesting. So, I mean, if I, I'm just put, trying to put myself in the shoes of the management, in front of me, there are three roads and they're not mutually exclusive roads. Yep. You got three roads in front of you. One road is executing on the marketplace strategy, putting a lot of money into that and, um, you know, sort of executing on the sort of the growth quote unquote strategy there. The second road is, and obviously like, you know, you know, obviously like putting more money into you know, repairing stores and making it more beautiful, things like that. Second road is a share repurchase program, right? Executing on the share repurchase program, you know, dedicating some amount of money to that. And then the last road here is reducing the debt load, as you mentioned. Yeah. And they're not mutually, mutually, obviously they're not mutually exclusive. I think it's a question of how much capital allocation do you, do you set, you know, as an executive, to these three different strategies. And, you know, what? You know, there, there's obviously issues with timing. There's obviously issues with um, the market, how much, you know, it, like, for example, if Michael were to pop tomorrow, share a repurchase program of large, large magnitude might not make sense, right? Yeah. You just have to buy it at the right price. So there are all these different factors, but it sounds like there is a sort of an option on the road of, there, there is a sort of decision to make on the road of which, which uh, sort of strategy do you execute on, and which, which you know, which do you prioritize? Yeah, and I think the uh, maintaining the operations of the business are going to be important. Um, one of the things that they're trying to do in the stores, <coughs> excuse me, is is actually have like education sections in the stores where they can teach crafts and things like that you know, refurbish the store to make it easier to navigate because there was a lot of complaints about pricing and how difficult it was to find prices and the uh, the store uh, end caps are hard to read and things like that. So th there may be some significant expenses that they need to put in that are necessary um, that are going to be kind of more of one-time things that they refurbish the store with. And as you said, the other two parts of it, paying down the debt and the um, the share um, per repurchase, those are the two kind of wild cards that we need to understand. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, let's say that they announce really good earnings next week. If the stock price bumps, you know, and it's still, it's more close to fair value, you know, then, or it's overvalued, then yeah, the share repurchases, we don't want them to do that at that time, right? So, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a, uh, dynamic situation here and we have to be you know we have to see how management does so that's a risk here that we don't know is is managing going to be timely with their repurchases um yeah and, and so forth yeah makes sense makes sense all right so that sort of wraps up the management let's go to the last point here which is the valuation so walk yeah. us through your exercise so this is this is this is difficult, right? Because one of the issues that we are encountering here is that um, this is a business that we don't have a good handle on what their uh, what their value is, right? Um, and so, you know, based on you know 
there's no growth here, right? So when we look look at a discounted free cash flow, we don't have a lot of, um, hey, Becco, let me grab my charger. My laptop is running out of battery. Yeah, yeah. Give me a yeah, second. No worries. Mm-hmm. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So valuation. Okay, I'll start over from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the thing about Michaels is that you know we have a business that essentially has no growth, right, left in it, right, and I, I think it's fair to say that um, you know the management doesn't think that there's a lot of growth either, right? They're predicting mm-hmm. one to two percent growth here. <clears throat> So what what analysis you do in this situation is what is the free cash flow going to look like, right? And so we're modeling at a at the most conservative level four to five hundred million dollars in free cash flow, right? And when you look at four hundred million in free cash flow as at the low end, you're looking at them trading at price to free cash flow of about six, right? So pretty low, right? Mm-hmm. Um if you go if if the free cash flow is more like 600 million a year which i think is pretty which is definitely possible um you know i think that's the middle case here you know it's now trading at um you know roughly four times free cash flow and i think it's not even unreasonable for them to hit closer to 800 million in free cash flow a year right in which case now you're trading at three times free cash flow mm. <clears throat> So the thing is, is that there's one execution risk here is that they may have a COVID bump because people are sitting at home. They have more opportunity, so they're, they're seeing a bigger uptick. If you look at Home Depot, Lowe's, they, they saw the same kind of uptick, big mm-hmm. jump in sales um, that, yep. uh, that Michaels has seen. The other interesting thing that we are, you know, we, is that quarter one of, of 2020 was was horrifically bad for, for Michaels, right? They lost a lot of money that quarter. This quarter, things should be much better. This com- upcoming Q1 should be much better for them. Um, if they can actually be cash flow positive in Q1 and Q2, which they weren't last year, Q2 they were, but uh, Q1 they were not, you know, that... million target may actually be much more achievable, right? So there's still a lot of unknowns, but let's just call it 400 million. You're only paying six times free cash flow, right? A company like this, I I think it's reasonable to assume that they can actually, um, you know, if they start doing share buybacks with that money, split it half and half, 
200 million either in each case um you know they can pay down a significant amount of debt and do you know buy back almost 10 percent of their share uh with that kind of money um and that that would actually be a big boost to the cash flow per share and the earnings per share um so i i think it's reasonable to say that they're about thirty dollars per share is, is is actually a kind of a fair price uh for this company so about 12 times free cash flow um, because that's okay that's how you're coming with it 12 so 12 times free cash flow is what 30 dollars yeah and what is michael's trading for right now 15 dollars a share i see so and we're basing this not on any growth right so i'm not using the discounted free cash flow our typical model there right i'm just yep. basically taking the value and multiplying it by what i think the free cash flow should be so some people call that the 10 cap model, right? Which is 10x what the cash flow is. So, so I, I think it's reasonable to say somewhere between market, you know, Michael's is worth five to six hundred six. Uh, I, I'm sorry, four and a half to five billion dollars at the conservative hmm. end. Hmm. By the way, I'm just looking at the stock price. It went down to like basically two, three dollars. Yeah. Uh, so during COVID, yeah, during the beginning of COVID, they got decimated by uh, because they're they shut down the most of their stores. So there was real concern that they would go out of business. Um, and so if you had bought it, then you'd already seen a seven X return at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think there's plenty of room for this to go. And I think it's very cheap right now. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Let's see. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, you're looking at uh, from conservative measures, fifteen dollars to thirty dollars. So two x potential, two x upside. Yep. So margin of safety about fifty percent right now. So we're right around the price that we would be willing to pay. Hmm. And so from kind of asymmetric downside ratio, risk reward situation, what does that look like? I mean, is it right now pretty favorable? Right now, it feels like fifteen dollars. Yeah. I, uh, I guess last Friday it, it it ended the trading session at fifteen dollars. Yeah, the last month and a half or so. So they they announced their Q three earnings in December of twenty twenty, and it was trading like nine eight nine dollars a share, and it's gone up to about fifteen dollars a share. I think the high was like seventeen. So I don't think that there's a lot of risk here. Um, for it to drop again, I think their free cash flow is pretty safe. The, the accounts payable gets sorted out, um, you know, and then we'll see a number on the conservative end, four to five hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel comfortable with that can be divvied up between the the buyback and debt okay. and so forth. Buyback and debt. Buyback and debt. And do you have any more color on how much the marketplace initiative, the sort of growth, quote unquote, of initiatives would uh, would require? They've never, they've never actually talked about it other than they're planning to do it. Um, okay. And I don't think they would take on debt to do that. I think they would fund it out of their own cash. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, if they were smart, right, I think the the focus should be on fixing the stores, getting them done, seeing what the free cash flow looks like, and then investing. Because I honestly, I don't think the market pla marketplace is going to be that expensive, right? It's a 
it's probably a software e-commerce kind of platform thing that they would add. Uh, and then they'd use their existing distribution network to kind of move it around. Um, so I'm hoping that they're not going to spend more than like $50 million on it, but you never know. And that's, that is another risk that we have to be aware of. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Awesome. Great. Anything else, anything, anything, anything to, to add here in terms of valuation? No, I, I think the, um, <clears throat> as we've said, this is not a growth company, but a lot of people then assume that there is no, there's nothing to be had here, right? But if you imagine that they were able to get this debt much more under control, and then they started buying back shares in a significant way. So AutoZone was actually in the same boat in the late 2000s. Um, they started buying back their shares and they bought back almost 90% of the stock uh, doing that. And they actually had a 10x return as a result of that. So... Michaels has the ability to do that, right? They're, they are, they have more debt than AutoZone did. But even if they bought back, you know, 50% of their shares or 75% of their shares, which is not unreasonable with the amount of cash flow that they have, I mean, you can see a 3, 4x return very easily, right? So mm -hmm. there's still a lot to be said for where that goes, right? But, mm -hmm. but I, I think if they can do this, you're... You know, there, there is a, there is always money to be made if you have a company that generates a lot of free cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that's going to be where a lot of the interest for me is coming from. Makes sense. Makes sense. Awesome. Uh, I think that, that wraps it up nicely uh, for Michaels. Um, it's interesting to see how a company is sort of undergoing a transformation of sorts. Yep. In some ways, uh, especially for shareholders, I think it's it's a time for I think it's a pivotal time for a lot of retailers, honestly, right? With COVID and yes. Amazon and whatnot. And absolutely. Think, and so I think this is a time where you can actually find good value uh, out of the market, uh, and you know it is a transition period, as I mentioned, and that also comes with a lot of risk, but at the same time, risk also comes with opportunity. If you can if you can identify the business, if you understand the fundamentals and you understand the risk reward ratio, I think you can find good businesses like Michael's and, and, uh, you know, obviously you need to make judgments on your own, whether this is a good business or not. Um, but from the looks of it, from our discussion, it looks like, um, it looks like something that you could, um, you could look further into. So, yep. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today. And, uh, anything to, uh, anything else to add housekeeping items? Um, yeah, I think we mentioned all of those up front. Yeah, I think I don't know if we mentioned them on the first episode or this one, but um, you know we are publishing everything to YouTube, um, and we are trying to grow the channel. If you can, if you're on watching on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe, uh, and hit the notification bell. That'll help us um, uh, beat the algorithm uh, and get get more views for us. Uh, and then you want to give them a little um, heads up on Patreon as well. Yeah, so you know we're we're sort of sorting out the Patreon page right now, and uh, hopefully we'll get that up soon. Um, any help uh, on Patreon that would go a long way for us. Obviously, we're all doing this part time, Hari and myself, and our uh, producer Nick. So um, any help would go uh, go a long a long way in terms of um, the continuation of this channel, continuation of producing good content for you guys. So. 
Um, so we'll let you guys know when, when the Patreon page is up. But um, yeah, any help uh, really would, would help. Well, uh, would go a long way. So awesome. All right. Well, thanks guys for joining and I'll see you guys in the next episode.